Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about seeing obstacles as opportunities. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Andrew Davey. Andrew is a teacher, writer, podcast host, and a brain aneurysm survivor. You can reach Andrew at his website, andrewdavey.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Andrew. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Thank you. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be here. I'm delighted. I'm excited to hear your story. Would you be willing to share particularly the events that took place in 2018? Sure. Absolutely. I um, So at June 23rd of 2018, I had just turned 40. Um, I was teaching at a school, uh, a high school for students with learning disabilities and ADHD. Um, but it was about, it was the summer, school was done. I was looking forward to uh, a nice summer break. And I was going to fly the following weekend down to Charleston, South Carolina to visit my parents. So uh, that morning, Saturday morning, the 29th, I got to the airport. I felt fine. Um, when I got to my gate, I started to sweat like I had just run a marathon. So at the time I remember thinking this is strange, but maybe I'm just coming down with a cold or a flu. Um, I didn't really think much of it. And then when they called my, my group number to board and I lifted my bag, it felt like there were cinder blocks in there. So that was another uh, red flag that I disregarded at the time thinking, well, maybe I'm coming down with something, but it'll be fine. Uh, as long as I can get on the plane, maybe I'll take a nap. Uh, and then I scanned my ticket and tried to walk on the plane and the floor started to shift. Uh, like I was in a fun house at a carnival. Um, and that's, I still wasn't really thinking that anything was wrong. Uh, which I, I now attribute to the the aneurysm I was happening that that I was having at the time, but uh, I remember thinking I just need to get enough momentum so that I can get onto the plane, um, and I took a step forward and fell down on the jetway. So thankfully I didn't board the plane, um, and because it was at the airport early in the morning, there were first responders who got to me very quickly, and. Uh, I remember someone put a neck brace on and said, don't move. Uh, and then I don't remember anything after that. Uh, thankfully, they took me to the hospital. I went to George Washington University Hospital uh, right outside of Washington, D.C., which is what I learned later, a great trauma center. Mm. So it was almost as if all of the dominoes had lined up perfectly uh, in order for me to survive a ruptured brain aneurysm that essentially came out of nowhere. There were no symptoms, no signs other than the immediate, you know, sweating and, and, uh, the bag being heavy. That's but, amazing. Uh, Man. Yeah. Like you said, as the domino pieces are just coming into place, as you're talking about being in the airport and trying to get on, I'm thinking, did he get on the plane? Did they have to divert? How did you, you know? And, and so the fact that things took place, when they did and where they did, do you live alone? I mean, if you had been at home, would I you do, have no, been? I, the, I mean, 95% of the scenarios don't end well. Um, I happen to be in a public place 
uh, you know, in front of people. So, uh, you know, all of those things factored into the fact that I was able to make it, um, you know, and I think, unfortunately, the, the mortality rates aren't very good to, to having a ruptured brain aneurysm anyway. And I happen to be, you know, in the top 99th percentile of, you know, being in the right place, surviving what I had and coming out of it really, I'm, I'm really fortunate that any of the limitations I have right now are very minor. Um, my vision is still, uh, it still takes time to settle if I turn my head. So I'm so I like to think of it. I'm sort of like a human bobblehead. It takes <laughs> it takes a minute to, um, and my balance still isn't very good. But but I've come to learn that those are more of like a nuisance problems rather than I still participate in a lot of support groups for people who recovered from brain injuries, and so many people have difficulty with their memory or processing or they it precludes them from being able to work or do anything um, that resembles their old life to the point where it's a real letdown. Um, but, but I'm fortunate enough that I could go back to school. Um, I could teach, I could continue to write, I could do all of these things. And um, so, yeah. So, I mean, really at the end of the day uh, I'm fortunate in so many ways that I keep learning about, uh, you know, a few years later. So it's been, it's been a very, a very strange, uh, and surreal recovery on its own. And then, you know, just as I was starting to adjust, uh, that's when the COVID pandemic really took over. So it, it became a very personal experience that was sort of difficult to articulate into a universal experience where everyone sort of understands the uh, the magnitude of what we're all going through. So it's been, my, my 40s have been a very strange time. That is an interesting thing that you brought up about COVID is it's given the whole world a shared experience. And, um, and I love that you talk about the positives and those tender mercies that took place in your experience. I know many people who, if they had gone through your experience, would only have focused on the negative. So what a beautiful thing that you're able to recognize the positive. And I, I applaud you for that. I think that's, I think that's beautiful. So what was the recovery process like? And you talk about being in support groups. How do you help each other? Uh, well, the, for me, the physical recovery uh, happened within the first year, most of it. I, at the beginning, when I was discharged from the hospital, I had double vision, so I wore an eye patch, and I needed a cane and a guard belt to walk. Uh, and I usually could only go about 40 seconds before I would need to take a break. Um, One second. What's a guard belt? A guard. So it's sort of like an airplane seatbelt that um, goes around your waist, and then someone can hold on to the end of it as you're walking in case you you know, falter, they can catch you or write you. Okay. So um, you're not by yourself. You have a support walking yeah, with it, you. When I first, when I, when I was in the hospital, when I first got out, um, my mother actually stayed in my apartment with me to help drive me to, to various appointments or, um, you know, as I was doing physical therapy, she would be there to monitor. So yeah. So the first, 
I wasn't, so I currently live and I had lived on my own. Um, when I got out of the hospital for the first few months, I either, my mother either lived with me in the apartment or I moved eventually back into my parents' house. Um, because I couldn't, I, I wouldn't have been able to do everything on my own. Isn't it yet. marvelous that you have a great support system? If you didn't have that, you would probably be in a in a rehab facility for all of that amount of time. Yes. I, I mean, I, I, I am fortunate that I had a lot of friends and family who were very supportive and understanding, um, and that allowed me to heal uh, at, a, at a great pace. Um, you know, and I had opportunities... I would, I would say the first, the first year was mostly focused on physical recovery, which happened within the first nine months. I would say I didn't need the cane anymore to walk. And eventually my double vision went away. Oh, good. Um, What I didn't really know or anticipate was that I would have an emotional adjustment that would take a lot longer and be a little bit more difficult to to quantify because there, there aren't as many indications you're making progress. Um, you know, with the, with the cane, at least I was able to put that down eventually. So that was a significant sign that, well, you're getting better with walking, but there really weren't many of those indications with emotional recovery. Um, but going back to what you had said in terms of finding the, the sort of the silver linings or, or, um, you know, the positive elements, I feel like so many things that look like they're going to be uncomfortable or difficult end up becoming fulfilling or enjoyable over time. Um, like for example, I was going to go back to teaching as a tutor full time. Uh, that job got canceled because of COVID. So I, moved back in with my parents for about a year. And it was during that time I realized that I probably wouldn't be fulfilled going back to teaching full time and I should probably pursue a different career. So I'm going to begin a clinical mental health counseling program to get my degree in that uh, starting in January because I feel like that would be something that would be more motivating to pursue and I could use my insight to help other people. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to make that conclusion had COVID not happened and sort of given me the opportunity to, to only focus on thinking about the future. So, so there are a lot of, there are a lot of things that at the time might seem like they're difficult or, or bad. Um, but over time, you know, the perspective shifts and enough time goes by and they begin to change. So I feel like there's so many of those opportunities that we're unaware of uh, until something really good or really bad happens. And we're sort of forced to consider the different alternatives. But but for me, you know, I, I had a, a traumatic event happen a few years ago that I think about pretty frequently and I try to make the best of you know, the situation. And some days that's easier to do. Uh, other days it's, it's not as easy, but I feel like everybody is in that position 
even if you haven't had a brain injury, there are still obstacles you have, difficulties you have each day, and sometimes it just takes time to uh, to get the right perspective. Absolutely. We all have different life experiences, but somehow the feelings and the emotions that we have are very similar and relatable. So that dealing with something that's difficult, whether it's A, B, C, X, Y, Z, we still have to work our way through it and look for the positive and see if we can turn that into something good where we can learn from it, grow from it, and pay it forward. And it seems like you have developed passion, something that really matters to you and is fulfilling, which is fantastic. I think that that's great. Let's talk a little bit more about your counseling. What what do you envision? How do you plan to help the next people who are on this path of life, who are behind you, to help them to be able to catch up and progress in their lives? Well, I think one, aside from um, people who are professionals that helped you know, either various therapy I'd had to, to deal with the, with physical recovery or emotional recovery. What ended up helping me a lot during some days was just confirmation from somebody that what I was experiencing wasn't unique to me. Um, or, or that I shouldn't feel alone because, uh, so many other people who've had ruptured brain aneurysms have also experienced X. Um, and just hearing that, made me feel a lot better. Even though it didn't really solve any problem, it was just, it stopped being magnified more. That you're not alone. And if that isn't that just a universal message that we all need to hear, you're not alone. Okay. Yeah, so that that's, I mean, that's my, I, I that's what I hope to bring to counseling people is just, if I can allow them to feel less alone in what they're going through. Um, that's really what I'm, and I kind of feel like I have good insight into a certain form of recovery or, or getting through difficult moments, um, you know, with a traumatic brain injury. A certain form of recovery. What help me understand what that means? I'm sorry. Could you say we sort of cut off a certain form of recovery? Will you expand that for me? I mean, I'm recovering from a ruptured brain aneurysm which I would imagine would be different than recovering from any other sort of illness. Or... Okay, so your counseling is going to include all kinds of people, not just brain injuries. Is that correct? Or I, I are you specializing? So. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't really decided yet, nor, nor do I know if that's really an option. Um, I, I would like to be able to help anyone who needs it. So I, I think... I have more insight into people recovering from brain injuries since, since that's what I had. Um, yeah, for so sure. You, you have some insight in that one. So are you going to be like a licensed professional counselor kind of a thing with a specialty? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that where we're be, heading. Okay. That would be the, um, and I, I, I'm not sure, you know, who, what group of people I will end up counseling, but I'm, I'm just hoping to be helpful to, anyone who really needs uh, to feel like they're making progress or they're less alone with whatever they're, they're dealing with. So is that your main message? You're not alone and you're making progress. Is that kind of the, the, the feeling that I you want to so. give to people? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that along with the, you know, recovery of any sort is never a straight line. It's always 
in spirals or circles. So there are days where you feel like you're not making any progress, but in the grand scheme of things, you are, you know, even if you only move forward a couple of inches, it's, it's difficult to keep that perspective. That's another thing that support groups uh, end up doing well um, is just people can sort of tell you that, uh, that they've noticed progress you've made, even if you haven't seen it because you're so close to it. Right. So it's really, it's great to, I found that it's hard to be objective with yourself um, and to sort of take note of progress you've made or steps you've taken or, or any sort of, any sort of benefit like that. I think a lot of the time you need somebody else. On the outside to, to, to recognize and say, Hey, before you were at this point and now you're at this point, there are a couple things we can do as far as writing things down. You know, this is what I, where I was and this is where I am. But I think you're right. Having an extra pair of eyes is so helpful. I had a thought about your comment about feeling like, you know, you're, you're kind of going down or spiral or whatever. If you take like a, the wave, we always feel like life goes in ups and downs. And if we turn that up on an angle, it actually is stairs. So even though we feel like we're going down, we don't have to necessarily be going down. It can still be part of our progress. And that I think is sometimes helpful to remember because we don't go in a straight line. It does seem to move around up and down and side to side and circles and up and down and whatever. And all of those directions still can get us in a good place. Definitely. I think the other thing is um, before the aneurysm, I'd had certain life goals that I think after the aneurysm, I kept trying to focus on, even though they weren't as much of a priority anymore. Uh, Like, for example, I had always thought that I would um, settle down and, and start a family perhaps like that would be the so at one point after the aneurysm I began online dating again and I remember I focused so much on should I bring up that I had a ruptured brain aneurysm uh during our first date and if I do when do I bring you know it just became this whole thing where that became the focus rather rather than do I really want to be out right now with this person? Am I enjoying myself? The, the things that should matter um, had taken sort of, and that's when I realized that, you know what? I may meet somebody at some point and that's great. I may not. At this point, it's not as much of a priority as it was. Um, so there are certain of goals like that, that I've sort of, that I try, kept trying to keep the top of the list. And then eventually I realized, you know what? These are still worthwhile goals, but maybe they shouldn't be at the top. Right. Um, you know, and there whereas... might also be that timing issue that you mentioned. Sure. Where sure. right now the, the brain aneurysm and that experience, which is always going to be a huge factor in your life, but it was like right in front of your face and you couldn't even see anybody really to date. You know, it was just like... I am the brain aneurysm. And you're not. You are Andrew. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. more to you than that experience. But that is definitely a defining experience. So I think it took it just took time. You know, again, that was that was the 
you know, I, I was fortunate that the silver lining for me during COVID was that I could move back in with my parents uh, and take the time to fully keep healing and not have to worry so much about any other obligations. Uh, so that allowed me a lot of time to reflect and think about things and make decisions based on what I truly wanted to do as opposed to what I felt I should do, mm-hmm. which I feel I feel like a lot of people get caught up in the idea of, well, I think I, sh- I think this is what's expected of me, so I'm going to do this. And, uh, and it's not something they truly want to do. So then they end up having trouble later on. So I, I was lucky in that I've sort of gotten a chance to have a clean slate and start over. And, uh, and I'm going to try to make the, the most of that situation. The, um, I wrote a memoir uh, last year, which, which deals partially with the recovery. Um, and I'm working on a, a follow-up to that. Which, um, which will sort of deal less with the traumatic incident and more with just what's happened afterward and, and the changes. Because I feel like everyone goes through, you know, everyone has traumatic experiences in their life. And I've, I've heard fewer stories of the follow-up, you know, the next couple of years afterward, mm. um, which, I'm, which I'm discovering can be just as difficult in in different ways. Ooh, expound on that a little bit, because I think that point is huge. I think a lot of times we have this idea that life is a little bit like a movie, and once you've reached that climax and you hit the denouement, all of a sudden, you know, we live happily ever after. And real life doesn't seem to work that way. It just just doesn't. No, I, you know, there, I, I think what helped me a lot was that in the beginning of my recovery, I had a lot of expectations for how it might go, and they were never met. So, right, you know, I, I assumed that my my ability to walk without a cane came back in nine months, so my vision should probably come back in nine months, and I will feel like how I used to feel. My personality will be the same. It'll just take, you know, a year. And what I've discovered was that what I discovered was that I there would be elements of my former life before the aneurysm that I would experience again. Um, I would live in the same apartment still. Friends of mine that I that I had before would still be my friends now, but there were a lot of elements that would be different um, with regard to just how I felt about certain things. Um, how much sleep I would need, you know, so major or minor things would change. Um, and it was getting comfortable with that. I think that was the big, the big sort of thing. But, um, what I, what I also realized was that so much, you know, I, I, I think, you know, like you had said, you have the climax you know, there's the rising actions, the climax, and then we just think you're going to ride, ride off into the sunset happily ever after. But that happily ever after ride to the sunset could take a really long time and go in directions you're not prepared for. So I think I've really become comfortable with uncertainty mm. um, that I, 
I sort of know the direction that I'm heading in, but I don't know the exact course. And I think it took a while to feel comfortable, like, well, we'll figure it out. There's, there's no need to worry about what's in that direction, because if it's trouble, you'll deal with it. And if it's enjoyable, you'll enjoy it. And if you're just going to think about it right now, then that's wasting time, you know, that you don't, that you don't really have, that you can, that, that you're losing by not enjoying the present moment. Excellent. So would your advice then to someone who has experienced a trauma be to be flexible and to just enjoy the moment? I mean, what would be some words of wisdom? Yeah, I would say um, be open to how the recovery is going to go. Um, You know, obviously we all have expectations, but just recognize that it's probably going to be different than what you expect and that it's not going to happen in a straight line. Uh, and I would just say to give it, give it a lot of time. Um, I was in a virtual support group the other day where someone had mentioned that he didn't really start feeling comfortable until four or five years after his, uh, his incident. What does comfortable mean? I think adjusted to, to, the new, you know, living a new life or, or, or life 2.0 or whatever, however you'd want to categorize that. But I think just not worrying all the time about everything or being so hypervigilant if something goes wrong. I think uh, it took him a few years to just feel, you know what, I'm okay. I've adjusted to a point where I feel comfortable now and I'm not worried all the time. And I think that was that was really comforting for me to hear because I'm approaching the four year mark myself and I'm just beginning to feel sort of relaxed and able, capable, I guess that would be a good way to capable to address the future if it's if it's gonna be difficult, if it's gonna be easy. Um these are things I now feel less overwhelmed uh by. I don't I don't ne- there was a time where I just wanted to focus on the next 24 hours because thinking what might happen a month from now, where might I be, what might I be doing was a little too overwhelming. What a Um, clever thing to do. If the whole picture seems too overwhelming, then let's shrink it down into a manageable bite-sized chunk like I can get through today. Or if that's too much, I can get through this hour or however long. Um, I think that's, that's really good advice. Yeah, that, I mean, that was really how, especially during COVID when things in the beginning, when things were very much, uh, no, you know, crazy and no one really knew how it was going to play out. It was much easier to just think, well, let's not think about what's going to happen next year because that's so far in the future and, and really who knows but let's think about what am I going to have for breakfast tomorrow? You know, something that's within my control. That's like you'd said, it's a manageable thing. It's uh, easy to digest. And then over time I was able to, you know, make it two days, three days, four days. Well, what's next week going to be like, okay, this is not overwhelming to think about anymore, but that took time, uh, you know, to get to. 
And I think, I think that would be another thing I would offer is to just be open to the fact that it may take longer than you think for these, for you to feel comfortable and adjusted to the point where you're not worried or uh, concerned so much about, about everything. I like the idea of being compassionate with yourself, that it's okay. I don't have to meet some prior expectations or even anyone else's expectations. It's okay to allow the process and to take the time. And I think that's very helpful. I also really appreciated your, your connection and correlation to your experience, to the world's experience with, with COVID and how that put everybody in a state of upheaval where you don't know what's going to happen. Things, everything changed. Our, our routines changed. Kids going to school, their routine changed. I mean, everything just changed. And I think we learn, hopefully we learn, that things can be okay, even if we don't know what okay is going to look like. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's part, you know, part of it is recognizing that, I may not be able to articulate what tomorrow looks like. I may not be able to describe it, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be bad. Um, it may, you know, it, it, it's going to be surprising. I think one of my, one of my therapists uh, had suggested going into each day with a, a curiosity. Mm, I like that. Sort of, you're, you're excited about what the possibility may have. Um, you don't need to know what it's going to be. And I, I, I've tried to adopt that with pretty much everything. Just keep, keep sort of a healthy curiosity about, let's see what this experience is like. Bef before we make up our mind about it, you know, let's give it a chance and see. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel much more capable now of dealing with if it's going to be, you know, difficult or adversity, I feel like, well, we've, I've dealt with a bunch of adversity in the past couple of years, uh, either personally or universally. So I feel like whatever happens, I will be able to, to handle it. Um, and if, and if it's great, I, I have a, uh, more of an appreciation now to enjoy it. Um, so it's, 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 it's been, it's been something where I've chosen to allow this experience to, you know, to mold me into a certain type of person who appreciates things more. I feel like it very easily could have, uh, I could have become very jaded about everything. Um, but that's, I, I, you know, that's within our, our control is to choose how we're going to, it's one of the few things that we have total control over is we choose how we're going to allow something to make us feel, um, you know. I mean, obviously, we can't we can't choose how emotionally we're going to react, but we can uh, we can decide. Well, I'm going to indulge this, or I'm not going to let this, you know, ruin ruin whatever is going on. Like Victor Frankel's in *Man's Search for Meaning*, where we can handle any how if we have a why that that we have a choice to be able to respond to our things. Another thing that I loved in as you were talking is you said the word become. And I think you are becoming something new. You're not just doing something new. You are becoming something new. And I think that's greater 
and deeper than just doing. It is changing you on the inside, not just in your, in your brain as things are healing, but in who you are. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Thank you. I'm, I'm so glad you brought up Viktor Frankl because I, that, I read that book last year for the second time, um, but, but the second time really had a profound impact on me because I re- that's where the sort of aha moment was, where he talked about how you can find joy in any moment, um, no matter what the, what the parameters are. And that really was something that resonated with me as, oh, okay, this, this, here's a person who's been in, you know, the worst possible experience you could ever imagine, and yet he's still able to find joy. I will be able to find joy in something that I may not be aware of right now, but it's out there. And if I just allow it to, to find me, it will. Um, and you being curious is going to help you to find it. Sure. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I, I would definitely agree with you. Oh, well, thank you for sharing your insight. I am so glad that you survived. And I'm glad that you have a purpose and a direction to be able to pay it forward and to be able to help other people. And thank you so much for visiting with me today. Thank you so much for, uh, for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by author Roy Bennett. He said, turn your obstacles into opportunities and your problems into possibilities. If you've experienced obstacles and problems in your life, I invite you to search for ways to turn them into opportunities and possibilities. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks, free audiobooks, and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller, You Got This an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.